Hey everyone, it's Bobby here. Just letting you in on what's going on this week in the podcast. So we decided to do something special this week. We have split our main pod into two. First pod, which you are listening to right now, is our Texas Tech recap where we break down the game just like we do every week. However, in that second pod, we get a little weird with it. We talk to our pal Boaten Blake about the Gia the Monkey situation in Austin, as well as the college football playoff poll and OU being ranked eighth there. So if you prefer to listen to that one, go ahead and listen to it. If not, hey, listen to both. But anyways, let's dive in and recap Texas Tech. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. It is a bye week. OU is sitting at 9-0. We are back to talk about football. And of course, we got to talk about the monkey situation in Austin. But first, Jameson, um, OU had what I feel like was the most complete performance uh, by far this season against Texas Tech. Um, you saw a great game from Caleb Williams with six touchdowns, zero interceptions. We even got a Spencer Rattler appearance. A lot happened. Uh, I, I felt like in that game, um, what, what, what really stood out to you about, uh, OU's performance on Saturday? Yeah. Okay. Let's just hit on the Spencer Rattler thing, because obviously this is just too funny. And then talk about the biggest thing we want to talk about in Caleb Williams. But whenever Spencer came in at the end of the game, all of you know the crazy hooting holler and students who want you know chanted uh, Spencer off the field. They were already gone, you know, at Yo Pablo on uh, <laughs> campus corner. And um, when Spencer came in, standing ovation and got a lot of applause, and then came out perfect through a absolute dime ball to Brian Darby. Um, so little things like that, honestly, can that salvage his draft stock? I understand it's just one drive, but. Can that salvage his draft stock enough to get him to a number one? I mean, I mean a first round pick in this draft. A number, a number one pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oops, oops, whoops. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say. I don't think a throw like just one throw can salvage that this year. But um, I don't know. I, I think it can start the path for him to build something next year uh, and get you know to that uh, position. But uh, it was certainly a touching moment. I was excited for him. Uh, I was happy for him, but, um, you know, it, I don't know. It would, I, I, I think NFL is it's not the right move for him this year. So I think, it's, I think it's twofold. I think there's two things to this whole Rattler's future uh, discussion. And I think that's you have the, the on-the-field stuff and then the uh, off-the-field stuff that is – obviously inherently tied to what happens on the field and, and off the field stuff. I'm not talking about, you know, in, any sort of issues or whatever, but that's like handling these situations that he's in, right. How he reacts to this, because this is a really weird situation in, uh, in college, maybe not the booing. I don't follow the NFL that much, but uh, having a fan base turn on a quarterback like this is not that uncommon, you know, in some cases in the NFL. So I think that, is sticking with it. You know, Lincoln Riley talked a, a big game about it, but you, you can never really trust, you know, the, the kind of things that he says to the press. He was, you know, raised a little bit by Bob Stoops and, and follows some of those little more coaches that, 
that maybe uh, deceived the press a little bit. But it, Riley did talk about how people were going to be seeing, you know, what you look like. Are you going to give up on the team? Are you going to be a good sport about this? Are you going to stay humble about it or whatever? And, and who knows? But I think sticking through this season, regardless of where it, where it goes for him, I think will help. I don't think he's going to fix any of the on-the-field performance stuff at OU because he's just not going to get the reps to uh, to show that uh, at OU. Um, but I think he can definitely make an impact in the sort of showing the type of person he is. For, for sure, and, you know, good for him for sure. But there, I, I will say, let's let's pivot on to the game because, honestly, this was a complete victory, if you ask me. 52-21. Uh, to 21. And it was not even that close. I don't think uh, that the score did not indicate uh, just how in control of this game Oklahoma was. Um, defensively sound. Uh, granted, it's against a team that just fired their coach. Henry Columbi was a mascot pulled. Um, but offensively, everything was really humming. Uh, and that is all uh, credited to the other quarterback, Caleb Williams, uh, Jameson. What what do you make of this? He he's joined the six TD club with Baker and Kyler. Incredible performance. Yeah, no, it, it just it just shows how naturally talented he is because the the way he played this game. Yes, he's still there's a couple of reads that we wish would have been a little bit better that you saw throughout the game. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going through their head right now where it's like. Oh, he's there. He's there. Throw that easy ball. And he kind of, he doesn't trust his full instincts yet. And that's because he just doesn't have a lot of experience behind him. Once you get back in the pocket after being your starter for a couple more games, then, you know, he won't second guess in his mind for a half second before throwing the ball. Um, What makes him so special and what's making him put up these kind of numbers is his way to create like it feels like that once the play is completely dead he extends the play and makes a play out of nothing with Spencer Rattler whenever the play was dead he'd roll out right into the defensive end and have to throw it away or throw a bad ball as our friend Brian or as our our pal Brian Davis would say making chicken salad out of chicken something else yeah 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 Ty your thoughts on uh Williams's big day yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, again, he's a true freshman and and he's learning. So I, I think we we naturally have as a fan base, it, it seems like pretty realistic expectations for him. Uh, I don't think anyone has really bought into the whole uh, Heisman hype, which is a whole nother discussion. But I, it was an excellent performance uh, for sure, as, especially considering. Uh, but also, it was Texas Tech. And uh, our run game was not amazing, so there uh, there is that to consider, causing us to, to you know pass a little bit more. But yeah, a great performance, and and again, liking what I'm seeing, and and hopefully, like I talked about in the the Kansas post game, you know, making some mistakes but learning from them. We want him to make those mistakes against Kansas, make the mistakes against Texas Tech. We don't want to be making the mistakes against Texas or against someone in the the conference championship or whatever else. So. Yeah, the run game was really very mediocre. I will agree with you there. Um, but really the offense, other than you know the run game looking a little low, only one punt in this game, uh, and that was the first drive. So that's pretty great. So after that, everyone got it rolling. Uh, and then, of course, one uh, drive ended in a uh, just awesome, awesome field goal from uh, Gabe Burkich. So... Let's take a look at 
kind of some of the other reasons why Caleb Williams had a big game, and that is his receiving core. Um, goodness gracious, Marvin Mims and Mario Williams both went off, I would say. Uh, 100-yard games from the both of them, four receptions for Mims, five for Williams, um, and then uh, two touchdowns for Mimsy and one for uh, Super Mario. So, Jameson, wh- which of the, the two receivers uh, impressed you the most? It had to be Mario Williams for me, even though with Marvin Mims putting up a big stat line and, you know, getting the, you know, the big, you know, six, seven yard touchdown and whatnot. uh, Mario Williams was a guy that was injured and he's a true freshman and Lincoln Riley applauded him in his press conference uh, this week saying this is a guy that we weren't even sure if he was going to be able to play this week. And he comes in as a true freshman coming off an injury and puts out really good performance, you know, that's the guy that we were talking about the at the beginning of the season, where it's like I really like the way he plays, and he can be a possession wide receiver in this passing attack. And with being without him the past couple weeks, I mean, kind of hurt us a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about having Drake Stoops, you know, out there, and, and he's been a great, reliable um, guy, especially with his hands. But whenever he's out there, you know that obviously we're missing something up front. I love Mario Williams' game, and I think he's an absolute weapon to have next to the deep threat of Marvin Mims and the possession wide receiver, Jaden Hazelwood. Absolutely. Ty, your take on uh, Mims versus Williams. Yeah, I, I'm just going to keep reusing not old takes for Williams specifically, but it is a, it's a great spot in college football to be WR2 and be good. Uh, I, I'm getting to where to where I say it every week, but – you know, with, with Hazelwood established as a firm, you know, sort of WR1, if, if we're going to use the numbers, but then Mims being a massive uh, threat just anytime he's on the field, especially with Williams having a little bit better chemistry uh, with him than, than our previous quarterback, it, it certainly seems like. So that definitely is going to create opportunities for another super skilled guy, um, maybe even a WR3. I don't want to put labels on guys, but, you know, the more the merrier for sure, because the, the essence of my WR2 take is that there's not a whole lot of secondary depth on most college teams. So you might get one, one or two good secondary players that are going to be stacked on the main dudes and that opens up opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we've had this conversation in the past and past pods, but I, I want to bring it up again. And do we really think I tie kind of hints at it a little bit. Do we really have a hierarchy of wide receiver one and wide receiver two? Because Marvin Mims, the way he played this game, you think that he's our number one guy. But I think there's more so in this passing attack and these wide receivers. They kind of have little niches in each place. You know, they're, you know, when it comes down to the deep ball and getting past someone, that is where Marvin Mims is wide receiver one. There's no doubt about it. Jaden Hazelwood does not have the separation to be that kind of guy. But in the red zone, my goodness, it's not even close that Jaden Hazelwood's our wide receiver one. There's no doubt in my mind. You throw back shoulders to him and he's going to go up and get it. Um, and then if you're just trying to play possession third down and five, I think everyone's out there. I don't really believe that there is a guy that's like, I'm looking at him first in almost all of my playbook, um, as my wide receiver one. Uh, I think it's more situational here. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, because we've, we've seen, you know, as the season progresses, you know, uh, guys kind of slot in, slot out of that, um, I mean, uh, Mims was a non-factor in the early part of this season. Mm-hmm, now he's, exactly. you know, incredible. So I, I really think it's kind of a by-committee um, more so than it has been in previous years uh, where, where you don't have a, a 
this is CeeDee Lamb, this is uh, Hollywood, you know, that type of guy. Um, but uh, I don't know. We, we still have four games to determine that for sure. Mm-hmm. I is think uh, me? one sec, Ty. I just yeah. you you hit this right up. But is it just me? But Marvin Mims wouldn't have like a stellar game this year if he wouldn't have had a long catch, right? So I get what Ty, what you're saying, Jaden Hazelwood being our wide receiver one, um, because Marvin Mims is really completely dependent on the deep ball, and that's a thing that Spencer really didn't get a lot of. Yeah, and that's that's actually a good tie-in. Uh, what I was going to say, Jameson, is I I uh, not to you know gloss over Bobby's take there, but I I agree but disagree with with uh, your take on it, Jameson. I agree mm-hmm. that everyone on our team we have a lot of very situational uh, receivers or, or tools with the receiving core, especially when you start to factor in uh, a lot of the fullback plays uh, that we do, and then a lot of the tight end plays as well, but. I think my my take is also sort of tempered on just the frequency of the plays. And and I think that's what makes Hazelwood the, the WR1 is because the type of plays where he is the main guy are the type of pass plays that we're throwing. Most of the time we're throwing a pass play or it's going to be the main look in the in the progression. Mims is, you know, I think, like you said, the, the big deep threat dude for sure. But we're just not throwing that many of those per game or, or those aren't just they're not in the game plan as frequently. So I think that's sort of what makes it, but ultimately, you know, the, the opposing team has a, has a big vote there as well uh, when it comes to where they're going to stack their defenders. You have your go-to guy and you have your uh, guy for the long balls. Well, I think, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, going back a a couple years, the sort of Hollywood um, and, and uh, CD lamb or even a Rambo, uh, I think two seasons ago with the first half of the season and then CD lamb really shows that, you know, Rambo was a really big threat at the start of the season because people were just stacked on, on CD. And then as the defenses started to shift, that's when we saw Rambo start to become less of a, you know, big game dude uh, when he started to get covered more. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, um, anything else from the offense? I feel like yeah. we're kind of, yeah, go for we it, have Jackson. to talk about that. We have to talk about the running back in the running game because that's one thing. Just watching throughout the game, and I know I've harped on this a lot throughout the season that I am a guy that I love establishing the run to open up the pass. Now this game is kind of you know a difference with that. So therefore, we were trying to run the ball. I don't think Texas Tech was really stacking the box that much. We just really weren't getting open, you know, good gaps to run through. It's not like they were daring Caleb Williams to play. They were a little bit. But not like overtly, like this is very obvious that they were daring the true freshman to beat us. Um, and obviously, the way Caleb Williams is playing, they really, that's not a good way to play us anymore. Um, but, but aside from that, is even if the run game is not working, if your pass game is working from the beginning and it's not getting stopped and you're going to keep on succeeding over and over and over, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I don't care so much that our run game was a little bit weak. Because we finally figured out that we don't have to run the ball if whatever we're doing in the pass game is continuing to work. Yeah, no, I I, I get that, and I, I I agree with you because you know, you know, if you if you could just shred tech, get get the points. To me, it doesn't matter. You know, if if you know, we only have we what can it. What Kennedy Brooks only had thirty five yards. Marcus Major had thirty nine. Great to see him out there. By the way. Just, just 20, 29, 29 for major. Yeah, tw- twenty nine for major. I, Eric Gray only had had five oh, yeah. yards. It's all Eric, coming together. Mar- Marcus Major. <laughs> I, I, 
there you go. Ty, Ty's plan, you know. He's gonna he's gonna score us the national championship winning like run. And Ty is like, Yes. My Marcus Major future is hit. Oh um, man, let's I'm not gonna, talk about yeah, that. with OU, Bobby. I'm gonna pull up his schedule and I'm just gonna start following him to class and feeding him answers. Which what the how did he go on academic probation? The rest of our receivers or the rest of our running backs, allegedly hypothetically uh, unconfirmed reports are cheating in all their classes. Why is <laughs> why is Marcus Major getting left out of this rampant cheating ring in the uh, in the running back room? Because Maybe. you have to try to cheat. Because there's some people that don't even want to go to the step of having to cheat. I'm sure there's people that don't even show up for tests in the first place. And I don't know what's going on in his life or what he went through in high school to get to that point. But you know, if you're getting to the point where you're completely weren't, weren't even enrolled or whatever. Um, and you're on academic probation where it's that bad. Like this dude had to just not be showing up a lick to anything. Yeah, it it had to have been a attendance thing for sure, for sure. Um, Ty, your uh, take on the running game? Uh, yeah, so I, I agree with um, you know. Ultimately, it's about points on the board. The offense could go out and score zero points as long as we return more kicks or have more defensive time. Like if we have more points than the other guy, no matter how it occurs. That's ultimately all that matters, uh, which I think ties in. It's a bit extreme, but it ties into the sort of we don't have to run if the passing game is working, which is great, but it's Texas Tech, whose best win is against Cincy. I'm sorry, Houston. I can't tell the difference. So they're both just commuter schools in red (laughs) that receive a lot of hype for no reason. So um, Big 12 schools. Yeah, so I I think – Big 12 schools. Ultimately, yeah, ultimately – it doesn't. It didn't matter here, but with our running game having been in sort of question all season, and then we get these glimmers of hope, like "oh, okay, we got it," and then it goes away. You know, it's it's sort of fading in and out there. Uh, it is possibly we could have had a great running game, we just didn't lean into it. But it is a bit concerning to me um, going forward. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, that's all we got for the offense. Uh, moving on to the defense. Uh, a pretty solid performance, if you ask me, uh, holding Tech to 21. Uh, last touchdown was kind of in the garbage uh, time territory. You know, six minutes left, we were up 52 to 14. Um, what did you see in this performance, uh, Jameson? My biggest thing was getting them off the field on third down because that was a huge deal for us in the past. And we've always talked about it. I feel like... I've been kind of cheated out of some games that where you watch it and like the first couple drives from our opponents go really long. You're like, well, I've been looking forward to this week and I made a podcast about this, um, this whole game and I hype up my whole Saturday and I watch and the first quarter's already gone just because Jason Bean ran down the field and gave us one drive. We got Texas Tech off the field and quick in those first two drives. And that was a huge deal for me. And maybe that's because we're finally getting some of our guys back you know, Jalen Redmond coming back, I understand he only played, um, let me see the numbers, on 22 out of the 69 snaps, but still that's a huge piece to put into that defensive line. And then um, De'Laron Turner, yeah, we can always talk about that with Ty, him coming back, putting in 67 snaps right off. Um, game ball worthy. A game ball. Uh, keep, on, <laughs> keep on listening. 
Keep yeah. on listening, but I might give you a spoiler. That's ninth, that, is, hey, that hey, is his ninth hey, straight hey, game ball. Let's cut. Let's cut the political stuff, guys. Let's <laughs> try to keep this apolitical. Yeah, for real. But seriously, like, I, I mean, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about. But I, I really want to talk first when we're hitting the def, um, the defense is about the defensive backs because that's a lot of the time we're on third down we're struggling to stop them. Um, we we saw a lot of this Mike Stoops esque. You know, we're we're giving them so much zone coverage and the slants destroying us. But the move of Key Lawrence to cornerback, how impressed were y'all with him? Because I was pretty damn impressed. I was skeptical. You know, uh, that the 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 way they've been moving Bowman around kind of made me nervous. Like that the Key Lawrence move would be like not great. But you know, Key Lawrence, that that guy that guy is quickly developing into one of the best players on this defense, hands down. Uh, he he was great. Yeah, I concur. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, the thing is with him is comparing him to Billy. Billy's a true freshman, and I understand Key Lawrence is his first year of being a transfer from Tennessee. But Key Lawrence has experience of playing the cornerback position in college football, also SEC football. So that's great competition. It just Billy means Bowman. Yeah, Billy Bowman was an athlete coming out of high school that primarily made all of his highlights, you know, in the wide receiver game and then the return game and played defensive back. But everyone knows high school defensive backs don't do too much, really. Where you make your, like, name and your practice of being a defensive back coming out of high school is the camps and, you know, the seven-on-sevens and the the Nike opening and all that stuff. Um, But, you know, Billy Bowman was just doing everything through high school. So coming in, putting him at nickel – having him go through all of camp, you know, in spring football and all that whatnot, uh, practicing that, and then moving him out to corner was a recipe for disaster. And that's the reason we barely – and it's kind of sad because now he's only got, what, five snaps uh, in this game. That's honestly embarrassing to compare. We, we should have never moved him out to corner no matter how desperate we were. And now Justin Broyle seems to be taking the number one at the nickelback position when Billy Bowman was showing us a lot – a good stuff at the beginning of the season in terms of being aggressive at that nickelback position. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a bummer, but um, hopefully he'll get more snaps and get that confidence back up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Bobby, but I'll ask, I'll ask both of y'all this. And I feel like a lot of OU fans have a sour taste in their mouth still about Justin Bros and how he's been burned so much in the past. You know, he's a high recruit Oklahoma city guy coming out and he's kind of been underwhelming and, you know, he's just too short and we have bad memories of us in the playoffs with him and how he's underperformed. But to be completely honest with y'all, like, He's not one of our problems right now when it comes down to our defense. He's pretty middle ground, does well, and comes out with effort. And that's not a lot. We, a lot of players on our defense don't, aren't coming out with the same effort that Justin Brawls has. I just want to put my, um, my comment out there that I'm not a hater where it's like, oh, we're playing Justin Broyles way too much out in the secondary, and that's why we're getting rested. He's not the problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, if you hear the name, you, hear, you, you know him from, you know, kind of the old guard and you get a little worried because, you know, because he is a smaller guy, but you know, I, I think he's doing a pretty solid job, all things considered. Um, I mean, I mean, especially in that game, you know, I, I don't think there was, you know, a lot to really worry about because, you know, it's not like we were getting burnt a lot. Um, and, you know, really the only one on, on tax offense that could, could have done anything that could do anything the entire uh, day was, uh, you know, uh, as you who had just a wild game, uh, you know, one, you know, one twenty three for one touchdown, um, which doesn't sound that wild, but still compared to you know what Tech had, pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Ty, 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 what do you think is the who do you yeah. think is the problem at, at the 
Oh, so what do I think is the problem? Or, no, you you go uh, go with your yeah. Your so thing. I, so to to Jameson's uh, Royals question uh, mm-hmm. or sort of dialogue opener. I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's it's college football. We can't as of now. Hopefully, this might change soon. This would be a cool rule change. We can't unvolunt or like involuntary transfer people, right? Like there's no trades. So you have who you have. So at the end of the day, it's not like we can go get someone else. So if everyone is sort of underperforming or no one's really that great, then absolutely 100% of the time, even if there is someone that's super great, you know, and just with a bad attitude, give me the guy that cares and is going to go out there and, you know, cares about the team, cares about the game. So what if he gets burned here and there? All of our dudes are getting burned on, on the defensive side of the ball regularly. So I think, I think that attitude plays a lot because that can help the other people around you uh, for sure. Um, as to what I think the problem is, it sort of speaks to the condition of the entire team that we're able to, you know, sort of make these changes or, or throw these guys in because of attitude uh, when we don't really have a whole, I, and I'm not saying that's who knows what, what is uh, going on in Alex Grinch's brain. It's, it's getting close to, to Christmas. So he's getting grumpier. Uh, as we speak, uh, but I don't know. He, he, Lazy been, joke. He, Lazy I, joke. I expected he, he, that from think, Bobby. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think I'm the first one to have made it this year. So, well, it's I, like being the first one to hang up Christmas lights. You win. I, I'm. Just, I'm just saying. Is Alex Grinch spending too is much it? time on his Christmas thieving uh, schemes than his <laughs> defensive schemes? Thank you, thank you, Al. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll first time caller, uh, whatever. Johnny's. I'll, 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 t- I'll take I'll, this. Um, I'll take. I'll take this call off the air. I can't wait. I cannot wait for OU fans on a uh, Paul Feinbaum as SEC fans. It's just the perfect. I wish Blake were here to listen to this. We're just the convergence of Gooners and then SEC fans of the conference, like reaching the singularity where Gooners are SEC fans as well. Just, just just throwing them into that madness like gumbo. It, it's going to be a disaster. I can't wait. Because SE, uh, the, the Gooners of the SEC, you know, it, it's not like OU has... We have irrational fans, yeah. But the SEC, I feel like, has even more irrational fans. Here's the there. thing is, is the SEC and the SEC fan bases are like nice, like spicy, like gumbo chili. And college football is the G5 chili cook-off. And OU and OU's fans are fireball whiskey. <laughs> We're just about to throw all that stuff together. And uh, like three of our listeners might get this, but hopefully it results in another championship. Uh, like like the fireball. Uh, the fireball chili did win a championship. Chili. If you know, you know. Um, anyways... Uh, what else do we have to talk? I'm just, I'm just cringing at that, but, but seriously, we I, I think we have, we have bars in that too. Fun fact, <laughs> just throwing whatever into a chili. Yeah. Okay. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. Now, of course, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, like Oklahoma, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. 
everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that's TPPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game straight up and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> there's, there's plenty to talk about on this defense, Bobby, and I, I've got some things I want to talk about because um, I was kind of hinting at it with Justin Broyles that I think this is a, you know, a big thing. Effort really is a huge deal when it comes down to uh, how well a defense does. Um, I understand there's, there's myths where people are like, oh, defense just comes down to effort. Ball, but no, that's not. It takes a lot of skill too. But whenever you have the skill, and we've known that is there, but you're not giving out the effort and you know that you can, there's a huge problem. So that's why I applaud minutes you know, and snaps to Justin Bros. The problem is, is guys like Perry on Winfrey – this whole year where he started off the year looked like a force. People were talking about, oh, could this guy be a first, you know, day one or day two NFL draft pick? And now, I, can you can you tell me the last time you heard his name got, get called out or say, wow, look at Perrion get into the backfield or wow, good sack, good tackle from Perrion? We have yet to see it in the past, what, three or four games? And it's honestly an embarrassment because our D-line was supposed to be absolutely solid. Yeah. yeah. Go Going it, back to this – start of the season uh that was sort of one of the things in our our preseason um you know things and then early season things that we talked about having that d-line that they could be a reliable you know sort of thing that would enable us to to sort of you know account for our our underperforming parts of the defense so not having a d-line that is well, I don't want to say a D-line that's not good or bad, but having a D-line that, that struggles to to do things like put pressure on the quarterback is not a tremendous issue against, like, Henry Columbia, but that's the type of thing, you know, that as an OU fan is is frustrating because, yeah, we can go 9-0 and in in conference play and then, our, you know, our, our two not very good out-of-conference opponents, but that's the difference, right, between us being a Bama, I don't want to say Clemson anymore, but a Clemson historically or even – um, I don't want to say we're not on Ohio State's level, but you know, being a team that's a serious championship contender, serious playoff threat, um, that's really been the difference is, is just those complete things, specifically with the defense. Uh, so it is, it's rough, especially this year for the whole defense, you know, not to wrap up the, the defensive discussion, but this was supposed to be the year, you know, that we had things together on the defense. That was going to be the thing that got us over that, uh, that hump. So frustrating uh, across the board yeah it, it, it's not been an immaculate it, they didn't have an immaculate performance against texas tech um you know but it, it wasn't bad it wasn't game breaking but it, it, it once again we we haven't seen them just go all out um and it's frustrating and uh you start to wonder if we actually will ever see it uh this season because down the way we we aren't getting another easy game at all uh, this season whatsoever. 
Um, because let's just be honest, uh, we have championship November, then you got the Big 12 championship, and then if everything goes right, you have the college football playoff, and that that's pretty stressful. Yeah, and, and, and the D-line, you know, the big boys win you big-time big games. You know, we always talk about defensive line, offensive line are probably the most important positions in college football by far. And we coming into this um, season thinking that defensive line was going to be one of our biggest strengths, if not our biggest strength. It's just really disappointing. I'll say this, though. Isaiah Thomas showed up um, versus Texas Tech, played very well. Obviously, he was tipping balls left and right, um, was making good pressures on the quarterback. Uh, I mean, you Honestly, game ball consideration, I, I'm thinking very highly of Isaiah Thomas um, And when it comes down to the defensive side. Um, also, uh, when we're actually talking about the defensive line, it's like, thank God we have effort guys and young guys that are kind of showing out for guys that haven't really put out too much. Uh, Ethan Downs has been an absolutely stellar surprise for us this season, and you can tell he's been slowly getting more and more snaps as the season progresses because that's the effort that he gives. He's another workaholic kind of guy that the coaching staff really likes, you know, kind of similar to Danny Stetsman wouldn't have gotten hurt, probably kind of the same hierarchy of how he's getting um, progressing up the ladder. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. Um, Stutz, yeah, I, I'm with you. If y'all didn't know, by the way, this is my flu game. I'm cu- I'm coming off of a, a brutal, brutal ear infection out here. Just wobbling out here. Haven't watched any film. I've just been dead in bed all week. So uh, your you boys having a rough go of it. Just just wanted to let the listeners at home know. Yeah, let, let me let me take over, Bobby. And let's talk about the linebackers yes. last before we kind of move on. Just put a, a ribbon on this game. Um, because uh, he, he seems like you need a sub. But let, let me let me talk about <laughs> the linebackers because um, it's it's kind of interesting because overall they didn't play perfectly, but I saw some flashes from Asimo in this game where you kind of get that from him. It's give and take. Some games it's like, what is he doing? He's kind of just running around with his head cut off, like you know. But then whenever you get put in the right spots and he makes the right gap plays, Asimo looked really good. Stutzman, another guy that looked good as well. Shane Witter actually looked really good as well. Um, the linebackers are starting to put it together. I think they're going to continue to be our weakest group on this defense. But if they can play games like they did versus Texas Tech and the defensive line can turn it on to what they have the potential to be and we can get our secondary healthy, our defense should kind of round into form here in championship November. Ty, did you see anything from the linebackers that you liked? Um. Not during the game. This is an interesting sort of tie-in. Might not be that interesting to you guys. I think it's interesting. So I uh, I recently discovered through my my YouTube uh, perusing, uh, my YouTube recommendations, that our kicker, Michael Turk, has a super awesome YouTube page. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar. Of course. You are. Bobby? Okay. Yes, James, I've, never lo- I've never looked up Turk's YouTube. I, I got it recommended. I wasn't looking it up either, but he, he streams, well, not streams, but has videos just all the time of, of sort of everything. And it was interesting He's to a see. Vlogger. He's like a vlogger. Yeah. Like a vlogger, but for the, for the team, like in the locker room, like on game days, on the bus, wow. uh, all that stuff. It, it's, it is pretty, it is pretty interesting. He's not super cringy because he's just like insane. Like Burkick, he's like roommates with Burkick too, which is hilarious. Uh, and they both just like don't wash their hair. I'm one to speak, but <laughs> and and just do crazy things all the time. Uh, but 
it was interesting to see. I, I watched a couple episodes, and it certainly seemed to me like our linebackers, while not necessarily being the strongest position on the field, uh, seem to pretty firmly be uh, team leaders uh, on in the locker room on uh, on both sides of the ball to some extent. Caleb Kelly, especially, you know, not being a super strong performer. But, I mean, he's a Bob Stoops recruit. Like he's he's been on a team for for forever. But even some of the other guys, like uh, like Studsman and and some of the younger guys as well, certainly seem like from the few episodes I've watched of just how the team functions behind the scenes, which is really interesting. Um, and, and how they interact at meals and workouts and everything else. It certainly seems like the linebackers maybe have a pretty strong impact on, on the things that we don't see when it's just on the field. So sort of unique. Yeah, that that definitely would make sense. And you can kind of see it on social media, especially with Danny Stutzman. He gets thrown around. There's a whole like cult following essentially of Danny Stutzman where they all uh, took over his profile picture and just respond to his comments. Like there is a little cult following kind of interesting, but you can tell that they actually really like each other. And whenever you have a group like that, you know, you, even though there's only two people there, you know, they got to be in synchronous um, working together. Um, and um, that's, that's always really good to hear. But like, I, like I said, definitely not our strongest group um, going into this bye week Obviously the biggest story about this defense is getting healthy. Jalen Redmond was not 100%. That's why he didn't play the full snap count. Um, but he's never going to be a guy who's going to play 60-plus snaps. Um, but he will get there. Um, Woody Washington is a huge, huge story. Um, he should um, be able to come back uh, from what he had for this Baylor game. That's kind of the projected timeline that um, insiders were talking about with that. Um, it was more of a six- to eight-week injury recovery timeline, so he's right hitting into that sweet spot. Um, we'll see if he comes back and plays well with that. And it'll be interesting if he slots in and plays well um, because DJ Graham in this game did not show anything versus Ezekama that he should have that job on lock. Woody Washington should come in and honestly take that starting job from him and keep Key Lawrence at the cornerback position when DeLaren Turner yell coming back to that safety and uh, Patrick Fields at um, free safety. Um, do, y'all, do y'all agree with that? Do you think Key Lawrence and Woody Washington would be the starters for you? coming into Baylor if everyone's healthy? I don't know about starting Woody straight off the bat I, I because I, I don't know. It, it, it depends. If the game was this weekend, would Woody Washington be healthy? It, that's the question to me. Like, if the answer is yes, then play him for sure. Uh, if not, then I'd be a little... I don't really want to push that even further. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the whole issue of the fact that he hasn't played, you know, in you know, at this point, a month and a half. Uh, so so that's obviously an issue as well. You don't want to just immediately throw him into the fire in a road environment that is going to be, uh, I don't know what you'd call the Baylor road environment kind of popping. I don't know. It's oh, yeah. uh, it, just everyone kind fo- of popping. Kind of popping. <laughs> everyone, it, Christian sleepover where everyone's hopped up on, you know, Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. Uh, that's probably the, the best way I could I could describe it. I, I don't know. Um, that's pretty fun. It it depends. It, it, I I wouldn't want to throw him into the fi- that fire that early with those with that stakes. But um, I would definitely put him in the rotation for sure. Uh, you got to start Key Lawrence though, uh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially at corner, one hundred percent. 
he earned it and he knows that he has a spot on this defense. He's one of our best 11 guys. There's no doubt about it. And they've got to find a place to put him. And we've seen in the past that Alex Grinch is going to play fields and Delaren turn around when they're healthy. And there's no argument around it. Those are the guys, no matter what, no matter how bad they play, even though Delaren turn plays great. Um, but I, I think that um, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or flex or anything here. Um, but I do know what Woody Washington's injury is. I was told by somebody and I was told that I cannot say what it is on the podcast. It is not, um, it is not like from a message board or anything, but essentially he is on the, he took his time with this injury. Um, and it's something that people recover from and return to play pretty decently. Um, I think that he will slot in and be the starter on um, Saturday and two Saturdays from now um, versus Baylor. But like you said, uh, there is a big discussion about it. But DJ Graham's performance on Saturday did not earn him a solidified spot. Key Lawrence did. So Woody Washington's pass, it's just hard for me to think that he's not going to be the starter. Let me ask you this, Jameson. Right now, where we sit right now, how many players you, uh, on OU's defense do you think are better than uh, Key Lawrence? That, I think that you go – so better – um, playing better or just better? Just like quality of, of just play better right people. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, In terms of morals. Are they performing better? Because you would think, for example, Perrion Winfrey should be a better player than Key, but Perrion no, Winfrey is I'm just like saying like, like, team right now. like current form. Like okay, cor- so current I, form. Yeah. I, okay, I got, I got what you're saying. So, um, you know, I think obviously – if you're talking defense, you cannot talk defense at all without bringing up Nick Benito. He's our best player on the defense. Yep. He's number one. Isaiah Thomas, probably number two, yep. um, playing a lot better than Key Lawrence. Uh, Jalaren Turner, out hard to tell because he just came back, but I he has nine game conf- balls. Yes, yes. And I feel more <laughs> confident in Jalaren Turner out in his play with, than Key Lawrence, but I understand there's a conversation with him coming back from hamstring, but whenever he played that many snaps last game, he played really well. I think that. Um, but then after that, I think I've got to give it to Key. I think he's probably, you know, out of those, he's probably the fourth most confident I am in players currently. Am I missing anybody really? Because, you know, uh, you would put Perry on Winfrey above him, but he's just not playing well. Um, Jalen Redmond, you would normally do it, but he's still trying to recover from the injury. The linebackers, like I said, are um, kind of iffy. And then, um, you know, DJ Graham, definitely not. Jane Davis, definitely not. Uh yeah, definitely not Patrick Fields or Justin Broles either. So I think number um, right where I have him right there at number four is pretty solid. Which is so crazy to me because like a couple weeks ago, he was getting like not a ton of snaps. Like we would not be talking about him much at all. So the way like one guy can just slide up the kind of power rankings uh, in in a couple weeks, very impressive, I would say. That Kansas game was huge for his confidence, I'm sure, because he played like a beast. And I think, well, I don't remember what game it was, but a lot of people were giving him really uh, bad rap for, he came, he was the high man on the safety, he came over and dropped an interception on a go route. It was a couple games ago. I don't remember what it was for, but everyone was like, he should have caught that. I'm tired of our defensive backs dropping interceptions. Was it K-State? Uh, yeah, I think it was K-State. Yeah, and they're saying, like, here we go again. People are dropping. But the the ability to see that play and get there and get into that position is what we need from this defense. So um, if he the, if you can play safety and cornerback and succeed at both of them, I understand we only have a sample size of one here. Um, we've seen plenty of cornerbacks in our system do well at the beginning and fall off to the end. Um, 
honestly, I, I feel very confident in the way he's played at the safety position, but I still have to see at the cornerback, but he's very talented and he needs to be one of our top 11 guys. I agree. I agree. All right, Ty, uh, Ty any final thoughts on OU's defense, uh, this tech game in general, before we wrap it up? Because uh, we have a lot of discussion. we got got to talk about the college football playoff rankings. And, of course, we got to talk about uh, the our, our, our dearest uh, Gigi the monkey, or sorry, Gia the monkey uh, down in Austin. Uh, but before we do that, let's just kind of wrap this up. Yeah, I, I think my, my sort of last thoughts uh, going back to probably five minutes ago when, when the question was first posed. Um, I would Sorry. start. I, I, no, no worries. Uh, I, would, I would definitely um, start Woody. Uh, I, think, I think Woody is a, a, a pretty clear start. Cause, well, so as, you know, it, before Jameson sort of showed his, showed his hand, you know, it, it, the whole thing was just sort of set up to, for Jameson to show everyone how smart he is and how much access he has, but I know uh, I'm not. I told I said flexing. It was like yeah. much to flex. You know when you know when that one student asked the teacher a question that they already kind of know the answer to, but they're just asking a question to show how smart nice. they are. I hate those but, people. I hate those uh, people. <laughs> no, but what I was going <laughs> to say was I think I think Woody is a, a pretty clear start. You know, Key Lawrence obviously, but but Woody is a pretty clear start. And then as Jameson posed the question was, you know, if he is healthy, so it's that. The question as posed is not necessarily, you know, is he going to be healthy enough? It's assuming he is, I think, assuming he is, uh, the the loss sort of playtime, I think, is sort of insignificant in, in the amount of consistency that he's shown so far. Because remember, this was a guy, uh, you know, past season as a as a freshman, was able to, to really come in and, and show some impressive uh, stuff when he came in and then was, was pretty – not amazing, but pretty consistent in really his first full season uh, before injury. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Jameson, uh, before we get started on some of this madness, do you want to take a trip onto the Cruden Corner? Yeah, it's been too long. Let's hop on. Let's do it. David, yes. what is this, David? This is a Cruden Corner with Jamison. Every morning dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I just feel like we have to come in and talk about our recent new commit because people might see the name, you might have saw the headlines of who it is, but I just want you all to know that our most recent commit to the 2022 class, obviously that we have lost a lot of wide receivers with Luther Burden decommitting and Jordan Hudson decommitting um, and obviously Taylor Shetron. Uh, we needed wide receivers and kind of out of this past couple weeks, last second, we've got one now into the boat and that is Rodney. Um, you know, I just completely just blanked on his name. What the heck? Rodney Anderson's last, a little brother and Nick Anderson, um, came in and he's a six foot four wide receiver, four star commit, um, out of Katy, Texas. And, um, we needed guys and he was an Oregon commit before that, um, and kind of hopped in the boat with us, which is, I mean, it's really cool whenever you see legacies come in um, and it shows you that uh, whenever you have um, a little brother go to the same team as the big brother, there's, there's probably a pretty good culture around um, and good memories from that big brother because um, he had other offers to go to. He had other great offers to go play at. Um, but obviously there's something good going on here and they're not negative recruiting, um, their own team, probably like Texas players are currently doing right now. I did not know that was going on. 
Uh, that's it's been actually- going on for for a while. I mean, it went it went on. Um, you know, obviously with Herman. Um, but right now, I mean. I, I bet you it's not as bad right now. I haven't heard of it recently. It definitely went on with Herman. But right now, I'm sure those Texas players are not happy at all. And there's obviously some coaching dysfunction there um, and some other coaching stuff that goes along with that. With that. But uh, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I think that was really cool, just seeing a little brother come into the boat of this. Because, it, yes, it's a great commit for us. They had a very needed position in that class. You know, 2023 is going to be stacked at wide receiver with three possible five stars coming into that class. But right now we lost already three big time wide receiver commits. And um, it's big getting one with the boat where Relique Brown is already kind of a hybrid at that. But we wanted another big wide receiver and we got one in a six foot four guy and Rodney Anderson's little brother. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I love it. Uh, love seeing that connection. If he's anything like his brother, it'll be pretty damn good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that all you got for uh, Cruden Corner? Yeah, yeah. I'll keep it all updated. And it's, you know, riding the season, it kind of gets a little bit into a dead period because everyone's just taking their visits across. You know, big names to keep a look at um, moving forward. You know, Marvin Jones Jr., the edge commit is probably the one that we're really looking at the most um, next to Chris McClellan of Owasso, both defensive line guys, Chris McClellan being more interior while Marvin Jones is an edge guy. Um, Marvin Jones is taking his visits to Alabama and Florida coming up, and those are our competition there. Chris McClellan, also, we got a competition between us and Florida. Those should come down probably to the end. Oh, I guess a couple things. And then um, Javante Barnes is taking his official at the Iowa State game. He's a running back from Las Vegas that is big with DeMarco Murray and pretty much a huge OU lean. He'll be committing in January. Um, we're a big-time favorite there. Um, so the 2022 class looking pretty good right now. I am very not worried about any sort of deal we have with Florida because Dan Mullen seems like a total joke behind in terms of recruiting uh, with with some of the comments he's made. Um, Honestly. It was just like, I'm, I'm going to recruit when the, when the football season's over, and we'll talk about it then. There's a reason why he's getting boat raced by Florida. It's because his recruit, his, his talent is is behind. It, it, mm-hmm. How do you have that? How do you have that mentality in 2021 with college football? I mean, I, how would you have that in 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 the 70s? Barry Switzer would have just completely eaten him up. Yeah, and and you would like to think that OU is some kind of white knight that we don't negative recruit and we don't use things against people. Of course we do, and I guarantee you, with Marvin and Chris, we're going to say like, "Hey, look at this guy. He's obviously frustrated. He's not handling it well." And you can tell that a guy comes into a press conference like Mullen, um, and he's a little bit short tempered. That there's probably some chirping, and I know that the fans are chirping a little bit, like. Is is he, you know, on the hot seat a little bit, which is kind of sad because he is a very talented coach. And if you get rid of him, where are you going with after that? There's not a lot of good options and, and you should stick with them. But there's obviously some chitter chatter that's going on that's getting to his head. And that's going to that should be used up against him, especially like he said about the recruiting uh, uh, comments. All right, that was our Texas Tech recap. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, make sure to give us five stars on iTunes and all that other good stuff. Um, Plus, we have a whole other pod for you, as I mentioned in the beginning, covering the whole Gia the Monkey situation, uh, the whole college football playoff, putting OU at eight thing, all that very interesting. So make sure to just keep on listening. That is next up on your podcast feed. 
Until then, have a good one. Boomer Sooner.